0: Welcome to Just james's podcast. Scooby doo, wobbly wow, Ben and Mariah. wow, wow, wow. With Thomas, definitely not Timothy. Yeah! Nailed it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Just James. It's your host, James. I have my beautiful plant Thomas with me, and I have a surprise guest this week. I have a very cool dog with me named Odie. He's actually sitting right next to me as we speak. He's the sweetest little man, guys, on the planet. He is so stinking cute. So as you guys know, I am a mobile dog groomer, and I own a virtual PA company. So I own two businesses. I own or operate I am... A very, very, very busy cat, I must say. So my podcast is late this week, guys. I'm so sorry. It's it's just down to scheduling and actually finding a seven minute moment for me to actually record this. And I do apologize. There's been quite a lot going on on my side, and it's it's not your fault. It shouldn't be your responsibility. I should be making a better effort at getting my podcast out on time, and I apologize. But puppy, I have a sweet dog next to me. So I'm seeing that as a valid excuse. So I, talking about dogs. So I don't really pet it. I mean, I live in a flat. It's not really fair on animals. It's, um, you know, I have to also physically go down two flights of stairs to let them wee every hour on the hour. And it is exhausting. I, I have to admit it. It's really mentally exhausting having something in your care that you've really, really got to like take very good care of. But last Sunday, I, I happened to go out Saturday night. Um, and as you guys know, I've hardly been drinking. I'm trying not to swear. I'm really trying to be like a model citizen of London. And Saturday night, I went out with my bestie and we had uh, drinks and then we went for dinner. And then we went back to the pub that we were initially at. And it ended up being a really fun night. So we, it's the pub we went to is actually in an alleyway. So you walk through this alleyway and then you can go into the pub itself. Uh, it's got an indoor section, but it smells really moldy in there. Like it smells like it's like a damp, moldy place. So sitting outside in this alleyway is a great sort of little spot. So we went and sat there and there were four four tables of, of people each of us had two people at the table so there was a there was a lady who got asked for ID when she came in and she was really bewildered and excited that she got asked for ID and she told all of us and then she proceeded to give us the life story that she's on a first date with another lady and she's never met this lady and then we were talking about our hot shears and she was showing us photographs so we all knew she was she was sitting there on a first date she had a dog with her then there was two gentlemen there was a man and a lady and then myself and my best friend and the eight of us just ended up having, like joining, almost like just turning our chairs around and just joining one big conversation. It ended up being just like a big party between the eight of us. Now, the couple, the lady couple that were on their first date, they actually went off and did their own thing, which I completely understand. You're on your first date. We're kind of in the way. You want to get to know each other. So off they went. And then the six of us stayed. So we were talking and drinking and we were just sort of buying our own table, our own drinks as we went along. Um... And then there was two gentlemen, John and Nick. And John just disappeared all of a sudden. And we didn't know where he'd gone. And then about half an hour later, he texted texted Nick to be like, he's gone home. He left. So he left poor Nick by himself. So we sort of adopted Nick. And we're like, don't worry, you stay with us. And then it was the five of us. Anyway, so at half past 10 at night, you've got to move the party indoors to keep the noise down for neighbors. It's just respectful. I don't know if they did in any other country, but in the UK, you have to go inside of a pub from Hoppers 10. You can't be sitting outside because it's noisy. Um, so we went inside and all decided we'll have one more drink before we head off. And that's what we did. And as we were standing there, we realized there was a beer pong table and you could play beer pong for five pounds. Well, did that start happening? Did the shooters come out? Did the freaking beer pong game come in? And Sunday, I was so hungover. But I'm also such a complete lightweight these days. I really can't handle my booze anymore because I hardly ever drink these days. So I just am an absolute, absolute wuss when it comes to booze now. So Sunday, I was so super hanging. I was really, really hanging. And uh, the... One of my doggy clients sent me a uh, message and she's like, James, is there any way, any way that you can just look after my puppy for two hours? She's got a three-month-old puppy. And I was like, well, what better way to spend a couple of hours when you're hungover than looking after a sweet little puppy? So I was like, absolutely, I could look after the puppy. So she brings the puppy over. And stays for two hours. And I must say, this puppy was really subdued. It just kept sleeping. It didn't want to go for a wee. It didn't want to do anything. It didn't want to play. It literally just slept. And I thought, there's something wrong with this puppy. Anyway, so I texted the owner. I said, look, I'm just, I don't know if I'm being a little bit cautious, but I am a bit concerned about how unhappy the puppy looks. Like, she looks really sick. And she goes, oh, yeah, we're waiting for test results to come back because the puppy might have gardia." Now, I honestly wanted to lose my shit because why is she bringing a puppy to somebody else's home when this puppy might potentially have guardia? So I left it. I thought well let's just see because it might not have guardia. Anyway so the next day she gets her results. This freaking dog has guardia. Now the following day I'm now due to look after this dog that I've got for the whole week. Now I either bring this dog into my house knowing that there could potentially be residue of guardia around here or what do I do? So I try and clean my flat as much as I possibly can. I clean everything I can think of. Anything the puppy could have potentially touched, I try and clean um, in hopes that I don't pass it on. But now, obviously, now it's too late. This family's got a holiday. They're going away. What happens if I pass on this bloody dog to Guardia? So she, he, the little dog I've got for the week, happens to have a little upset stomach and i'm just hoping it's a change of environment i'm just hoping that it's not this bloody illness i just i'm really panicked about it but for those of you that don't know what i'm talking about gardia is a it's a it's a stool it's a it's a stool germ so it can it can make people sick if you know and it can also like pets can also appear quite healthy So it can affect people, it can affect dogs. The chance of us getting it from dogs is very low, though. But it's diarrhea, it's gas, it's abdominal abdominal discomfort, it's nausea, it's vomiting, and it can possibly infect, and you can have no signs that you even have it. So can you get guardian from your pets? Like I said, very, very low. But there are types of infections that humans get. It's a stomach bug, pretty much. Um, But it's... Very hard to get rid of, and it is very contagious. If you touch poop from an infected dog that contains guardia you can infect. You could swallow it. You could, you know, there's so many things that can happen. So, it's it's very contagious. And if you've been in contact with an infectious dog, if you've rolled a plate in contaminated soil, I'm not saying you. I'm saying the dog rolls in contaminated soil. If um. They lick their body with a contaminated surface, whether it be like a litter box or a dog cage or a crate, drinking water from a contaminated creek, a pond, or like bodies of water, even like fountains. Um, and puppies and kittens are very high risk of it and they can sort of pass it on to each other really, really quickly. So, the best thing to do if your dog has a guardia infection is to wear gloves. And also because what it does is it infects soil. So when they poop in the soil, it lo- it can live in soil for up to seven months. And the worst part is, is it likes the cold. So if you water your lawn with cold water, you have cold weather outside, it rains, it's anything like that. This stuff just spreads. So you have to clean and disinfect your household. You know, you have to clean all your bedding, your toys, anything in hot water, tumble dry it. Anything, just keep it like absolutely. Put as much heat into things as you can. Wash everything down, their beds down. Don't use bleach in their beds though, because it doesn't actually help with the guardia at all. And then it's a really strong smell for your pets. Then you bath your pet to make sure there's no leftover residue, no poo on them, anything like that, and absolutely disinfect your house as much as you can. So remove all their poop from the yard. As soon as they do it, and even if it's a runny poo, get rid of it as quickly as you can. Change their litter boxes, um, you know, limit your pets to access to common areas like dog parks or dog trails. Uh, remove all the standing water, change all your fountains, change all your water, anything you could possibly change water and change it. Um, and, you know, try not to allow them near any of the dogs until they're actually clear. It takes about one to two weeks to clear them from this, but it can live several months, even seven months if you want to like in cold water or soil and it can survive it survive so much longer when it's cold so that's anything colder than a room temperature it spreads so it can survive so long in water cold temperatures puddles waters anything it really likes moisture it likes cold environments uh, it doesn't really like direct sunshine so that's a good thing for you and you know once they've had this infection you have to sort of clean your items as much as you possibly can. Your pet will be taking medication. You have to send their pull, pool, so, pool, stool samples away. But it can really, really survive. It's a horrible, horrible thing, and they can get reinfected. They can get other pets sick. It's really, really contagious. So, um, how do you treat it? You know, if your pet has diarrhea and they're not, and it's not going away, seek veterinary care. Diarrhea is often caused from dehydration or other serious problems um you know go to your licensed vets get your advice from them you know there's no approved over-the-counter treatment for this infection so you know it it is it is a poo contamination illness really and um you will have to sort of have see a vet for it it's really scary i know it sounds terrible but hopefully um Hopefully, this little little baby doesn't have it from from him. Maybe I'm just overreacting. He's also in a new environment. His parents are away. He could be a little bit more like subdued because of it. So I could just be being overcautious and over careful. But I've told the dog now that does have guardia that once the two weeks is done from them getting better, I won't see him for another four weeks. So I'm going to be really cautious. And any sick dog, I'm not I'm not allowing in my services at all. So one of the things I've been asked quite a lot about this week, I'm on the like full dog train today, so I do apologize for those of you guys that don't have a dog or don't really care about the dog stuff. Um, I'll try and talk about something else as well. That's maybe I'll talk about working hours or something. I don't know, I'll think of something while I'm talking to you. Um, but I have a, a client of mine whose dog it's a puppy and he keeps barking in the crate at night, so it's can be a really really difficult thing because barking and you know can be a, a way for the dog to warn you that they've heard a noise it could be anything from like foxes to sirens to like anything going past at night there's so many reasons why your dog could be barking and there's a few things you know that are stressful or frustrating and the dog is howling and whining in their crate and you know you could have the best possible crate on the planet but it doesn't guarantee it's going to stop that you know training a dog is a process and it requires patience and consistency and crate training may be the most difficult hurdle of them all. So if you are deciding that you want to crate train your dog and the way to you know for you to go out of the house and when it's time for bedtime you have to learn how to crate train. It's not something that they're just going to pick up immediately it takes work. It'll take time for your dog to adjust to being left alone and being kept out of bed with you but there's patience and persistence and the barking will eventually stop. So most pet owners uh, inadvertently drag out the crate training process by accidentally rewarding their dogs with with sort of bad behavior. Now, the reason I'm also talking about this, guys, for those of you like, what is she on about? Why is she talking about this? I do have a degree in dog psychology and behaviorism. I've studied this. I've studied dogs. I did a four-year course. I've done a lot of different like add-on courses. I've done a behavior course. I've done dog grooming. I've done dog nutrition, I've done dog first aid, so I've studied dogs quite, you know, quite extensively, so the information I'm giving you is something that I learned, that I've studied, that I understand, because it's something that um, I've actually trained in, so it's something that I feel quite comfortable talking about, something that I talk about quite often, I give a lot of people advice on dogs, I don't practice it as a dog behaviorist, simply because I actually don't want to, um, and the reason being is that also with dog behavior comes a lot of rescue dogs, abuse dogs, and it's just something that I just don't have the heart and the soul for. And when you're dealing with a dog that's going through s- severe anxiety or severe abuse, you have to be as neutral as you possibly can because you that dog will pick up your anxiety. The dog will pick up your anger, your frustration, your, your hurt. And I don't feel that I have, the empathy to not feel the way I feel. So for me to try and help a dog that's been really severely hurt, I struggle to not bring my emotion into it. And the dogs pick that up. And therefore I'm not the right person for them. They need somebody that's going to be a little hot, like have a harder soul. And I don't mean this in any bad way. That's not, I'm not saying like you have to be soulless to work with dogs. I'm saying that my empathy is too great And they pick it up and they really, I really struggle to help them out of situations because I can't help but think with my heart. So I'm a better and I'm a much more stable dog groomer because I understand, I I have the empathy for a dog that's grooming as opposed to like a dog, for example, that's been really badly beaten. Like I'd rather deal with that situation in my capacity, in my experience. And it's what I enjoy doing. So I work as a dog groomer because that's where I want to be. That's where my passion is. That's where my like my expertise are, and where I've focused and honed in on my business. So the dog behavior and the dog nutrition, and all of that helps me as a groomer. It makes me a better groomer. But I want to be a dog groomer as opposed to like somebody as a dog behaviorist, a dog trainer, or something like that. I don't I don't particularly want to work in that field. But that's just me. Anyway, I'm diversing now. So most dogs bark in their crates because of separation anxiety. They're pack animals. They don't want to be separated from the pack. I don't blame you. You know, if everybody's in their nice, comfy, sweet beds, cuddling and having like a great night watching a movie and you're in a crate downstairs in the kitchen, I'll also howl and cry. You know, but there are tips that are going to help that. Firstly, they want out. Let's just face it. If a dog has a choice between being in that crate or being with you, they're going to want to be with you. So barking is to let you know that they want out, that they don't want to be separated from you. They don't want to be put in a little box. They want to be with you. Sometimes it could be just because they really want to go to the toilet. So make sure they've gone into the loo before they go in. If you've got a younger dog, a puppy, they need to go. They need breaks from that crate a lot more than an adult dog will because they need to wee a lot more. Sometimes it's pure boredom. A dog could get bored. um, You know, it tends to be loud. You know, they tend to be louder when they're bored. They could be hungry if they haven't been fed before they go into the crate. I would say the best thing to so is feed them about an hour to two hours before you crate them. And sometimes there could be just something unfamiliar in their environment. There could be something around them that they don't like the, the sound of. You know, they're protecting you in the house, even from their little crate. Um, sometimes it could also be the location of the crate. Sometimes it could be too dark, too quiet, too damp. Um... You know, in particular, if it's a puppy, they 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 could ice. You know, they feel isolated and scared. So set up the crate in sort of the main area of the house that that they're used to being in, where they feel warm and inviting. That that might help as well. But there's there's also like positive association to try and help them get used to. Make sure they've got a really comfy, um, like a donut bed in inside their crate. So that it feels warm, and then put a blanket in with them. Sometimes that really helps them as well. Give them a little toy that they can play with so that if they get bored, they've got something to do. Hide a couple of treats in there. You can start crating them at meal times. So they associate the crate with something really positive rather than something negative. And then gradually, you know, let them stay. Stay for 15 minutes while you do stuff around the house. And then extended and extended extended and then nighttime crating sometimes you just have to let them bark it out sometimes you just have to ignore it completely don't respond because the minute you do they're going ha 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 i won i got what i wanted and whether it be positive or negative any attention to a dog is still attention so though we associate it as negative you're being naughty you're being a bad dog for them they go oh my god mom's here mom's here oh my gosh mom's here, dad's here. dad's everything's great so the barking behavior you're reinforcing it when you come back to them when they're barking so don't even talk to them from a different room don't shout from a bedroom being like Frida stop being such a naughty dog so-and-so stop being such a naughty boy like don't give them any attention whatsoever so if they hear your voice from another room it's still encouraging to them I just recently read a study, and I can't tell you where I read the study from. It was one of those things you sort of pick up, you know, when you're Googling, you know, you're playing on Google, you're having a peep at doggy stuff, and then suddenly you go, oh, this is a cool study. So, and it's one of those things, I've read it, and I I didn't save it, and I wish I had, so I can't tell you where it came from. But if anybody knows, please just let me know, because I'd love to sort of read actually tag it into my my own sort of library of of information but there is a study that shelter dogs find that playing relaxing music can really help stop them from barking because it lowers respiratory rates it lowers the stress hormone um, cortisol and if you put soothing music in the same room as your dog's crate it can help reduce anxiety So white noise is another great thing as well. It stops like outside noises, it drowns sort of the cars and the foxes and all of that sort of stuff. Like a fan or humidifier or something near the crate so that it's a quieter space. Um you can try doggy pheromones as well. It's a holistic device that emits high frequency sounds that helps soothe out um like stressed dogs and it can sort of like calm them to their crate uh relaxo pet pro i think i'd not uh, i've had no association with them but i i reckon you know re- remember the brand being like that's a really really good one um don't let your dog out of the crate until they're quiet you know to consider their age and their schedule do they just need a weed do they just need a little bit of food don't forget to give them toilet break first um don't feed them immediately before you crate them as well at least one or two hours before Don't ever use the crate as punishment as well. So bad behavior then associates their bedtime with being naughty. So, and just make sure they have enough exercise before they go into their crates as well. So I hope that helps. I've, oh gosh. So the other day I'm, I was going, I was looking at my credit card for something and I realized that there's a bloody, I put my, my little business on some free websites the other day and one of the websites just said, you know, to verify that it's you and that it, this is a genuine account, we just need to deduct a pound off your card and then we'll replay it, repay it again just to make sure that you are a genuine business and it is genuinely you. So I was like, oh, well, that's fine. A pound's fine. Well, did they not sign me up for a stupid subscription, £60 a month for, to have my advert on their website? Nothing I signed up for stated that I was being signed up for, for a membership. I never wanted a membership with their website. I got an email saying, do you want a membership? It's £50, it's on sale, you get it for 10 but never once did it say, oh, you're going to pay £60 a month to have your advertisement on our site. So, of course, the first thing I do is phone my bank and be like, well, there's fraud on here because I didn't sign up for anything. So, they said, well, if you've managed to resolve it and figure it out, then come back to us and we'll take it off. Because, obviously, it's a criminal offense if I claim fraud and then there is no fraud. So, and I also don't want to go to jail just by like claiming on the stupid freaking company. So I managed to get hold of them and they've agreed to cancel the subscription. I said, it will take my effort completely off your site. I want nothing to do with you and I want my money refunded. But now I think I'm going to fight to get the money refunded off my account. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and I redid my bathroom flooring. Geez, probably about a year ago now. Anyway, but I used like vinyl. The, it looks like, it looks like laminate flooring, but it's actually vinyl. I thought I was being really clever, and I, I paid for this vinyl. was on sale. But the reason why it was also on sale is that it was quite short pieces. Now, my bathroom, the length of my bathroom is 2.6 meters. And the vinyl, I think, was like 2.2. So, there's 4.4 meters that I then had to put a separate piece of vinyl on and then overlap the two. But, of course, because it's overlapped, the the one that's the the shorter one just kept, like, pushing up and lifting itself. It looked horrendous in my bathroom. It looked like I had, like, a a ramp around my loo. It was absolutely horrible. It was the worst thing I ever did. So, I bit the bullet and went down to B&Q to to get some actual laminate flooring. I thought, well, let me just see what it's going to cost if I actually do the flooring. And I managed to find two... I want to call them cases. I don't know what the two like packs of flooring and they were literally the last two. They're exactly the same color as the vinyl flooring that I put down and they were just getting rid of both them for 24 bucks. So I was like do- sold. It was meant to be. It was meant to happen. I was meant to buy these these flooring. I'm sure I spoke about this in another podcast, but I can't remember. Anyway, it's taken almost three months for me to, like, get my brother to come and help me with this flooring. To actually put the flooring down. So, he came to me on Tuesday night. and I said, look, if we're doing it at night, we can't make a lot of noise. Because of... I've just complained about my downstairs neighbors. Now, the last thing I need to do is create noise myself. It's a bit like double standards. So, Nick's like, absolutely fine. We'll get it sorted. No problem at all. So, we spent... Four hours on Tuesday night, literally getting three pieces done. Bear in mind, the piece we did was a very complicated corner. It had like four different L shapes into it. It's a very like complicated shape in my bathroom. But of course, we did this whole thing with the saw, which is not the most ideal product to use. And by ten o'clock at night, I was like, Nick, we can't even use the saw anymore. It's actually gonna make you a noise. I'm convinced we're gonna wake up a neighbor, or I'm gonna get in trouble. So he had stayed the night and then the next morning he was going to go back to work. And I said, well, we'll just have to do this another time. We just can't continue. Um, So Nick agreed and off we sort of went with our, you know, he was going to carry on with his life. And then on the Wednesday morning, he was like, James, I'm going to just stay. Let's just get this bathroom done. So I said, well, we need a jigsaw then. So I hired one from the local library. They've got like a borrow section. You can borrow things for the day, for an hour, for a week. You you can borrow things for as long as you need it. So I borrowed the Jigsaw for eight pounds and we just drove down there and fetched it and came back. It was a really brilliant system. I was really impressed with it. So we managed to get the flooring done and now I need to do the skirting. So that's what I was doing yesterday when I was meant to be recording this podcast and with all this because I only had my brother for one day, my priority was getting that done because otherwise, if I went, hold on a second, I need a couple of hours i've got to record a podcast i 've got to plan my content, blah 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 um it would never have been done, and of course, the day before that i've had the dogs with me i've had things going on i've been cleaning things to try and you know get the sterilize my flat it's just been absolute chaos for me, so my week has been insane and I must apologize I know it's not your fault I know it's none of your business I don't know you don't care at all that I'm late but I just wanted to give you a very valid reason as to why I'm not here uh and next week I I will definitely definitely try and be a better person I promise I promise I'll try um no guarantees though because this is my premise of my podcast is I'm not an adult and I don't ever intend to be one. So this is this is me attempting to adult sometimes. I looked at something quite interesting. And I know I mentioned this a couple of minutes ago. That there is the ideal number of hours you should be working each week. And I mean I think sometimes this is quite difficult. Because w- some of us feel there should be a four day work week. Some of us feel there should be a three day. Some of us feel there should be a six day. We all have different feelings. And I think the internet and I think covid has made working from home a blurred line because sometimes when you work from home you work more hours you sort of like i think i work harder being at home than i do in an office um you know i think the classic 1870 refrain of eight hours labor eight hours recreation eight hours rest no longer holds up for everybody i think we all we don't live such a simple lifestyle anymore. You know, even the classic breakdown of the week and the weekend can fall aside sometimes. A lot of us work weekends. A lot of us work Saturday shifts, Sunday shifts. You know, there's there has never been a better time to think seriously about how many hours you should actually be working. And I bang on about burnouts because I have experienced it so severely when I left my last job before I started my company. I was so burnt out. That I did not give my all, and I say this all the time. You know, experts are reopening the debate as to how many hours we should work. Um, you know, th- the Swedish government tried cutting working hours to six hours to create to increase productivity, and that seemed to work. But then some Singaporean companies prefer the workday to end at half past three, so that employees can enjoy sort of cultural activities in the afternoon. There are so many different formulas of how working should happen and how many hours you should work in a week. And, you know, there's, uh, I think one size fits nobody. I think one size doesn't fit all. So uh, I think to give an exact number is very hard to say. What we really want to know is what is the right numbers, that you should be working what is the tangible amount of hours to throw in for everybody? You know, is there a particular science behind the number? I, and that that's what fascinates me so much. So what makes the biggest difference? So whether we find work meaningful, are you working hours equal before quality versus quantity? I think that's a very important factor. Are you working too little? Are you working too much? What is bad for you and what is not? And I think the more we spend at work, the less time we have for other important things in life. So if you have excessive long hours, especially if they're more than 45 hours a week, I think there's a a line where it becomes detrimental to your health, your physical and your mental being. And overworking can be linked to risks of heart problems. It can create irregular pulse. It can develop acute myocardia in. Infrication is it infarcation? Why am I, why am I thinking it's infrication? I don't know. Anyway, I could have that wrong. It can give heart disease, That it could be higher risk of strokes, it could be diabetes, hypertension. Overworking a long hours can give you a host of problems. And in twenty twelve they did a study with two thousand British civil servants and they found that working overtime had a higher risk of depression. So in 2017, they then did a study with 429 people and they found that those that worked longer hours had a higher incidence of depression, anxiety, poor quality sleep, the sort of the workers burnout. um, That we sort of, they conducted, I think in 1996, they conducted a study in Japan and the researchers found that longer working hours linked to poorer quality of life, poorer lifestyle choices, they had health and mental problems, and they all stemmed from being overworked. So I think there also becomes a productivity plateau, where when you have so much work, and you're consistently working, the level of productivity and creativity can plateau. So long working hours, long daily hours, they don't necessarily yield high, like potential high like outcomes, Sometimes 50 hour week, they found that there was an absolute like plateau of like productivity. Nothing was being done. So it makes sense that sort of it puts more pressure on you that the longer you work, the harder it is because your productivity level gets harder and harder and harder. So and it could harm society, I believe. And this is my opinion. And I just feel that long working hours and like workaholic spirit, spirit is and I'm, I'm just trying to think how to say this delicately without like being a little bit judgy or insensitive, but I think that it takes away from you spending time with your families. It takes time from you sort of having good physical activity, having healthy lifestyles, sort of like functioning in, in society. I think if you're just so focused on your job, you're missing out on so much is probably what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, what is the ideal? What is the right amount of hours that we should all be working? I think that's a really difficult question that I wouldn't be able to answer. But I think I think changing your hours up, you know, trying different strategies, trying different work days and trying to find like a balance between the two is really important for all of us. So if you have any thoughts or any ideas on how to improve that or things that you can think about, um, I would absolutely love – your advice that would be absolutely wonderful if you can tell me your thoughts on it it would be really really useful so whatever your thoughts are send it to me just james podcast on my instagram just underscore james underscore podcast i am going to try and restructure my podcast and my instagram at the moment i just every now and again put a random meme app or in a message up and it's not really working. You you know, I don't have a lot of followers on my Instagram and I don't blame you guys. I think my heart hasn't always been into into working on it. And it is something that I'm gonna try and improve and work on. So if anybody wants to give me some social media advice or some training, please help me along. I really want to improve that page for you guys. You guys DM me, you tell me the conundrums and I really appreciate it, but I want you guys to follow me as well. So I'll try and make the page a little bit more fun for you guys to actually follow. So I'll be working on that soon. And my business one as well, I'm also trying to work on as well. So hopefully I'll get that done. So last week's conundrum, my conundrum queen, she got this one immediately. Uh, What two things can you never eat for breakfast? And the answer is lunch and dinner. And this week's one is actually meant to be a little bit of a funny conundrum. Uh, so it's, it's like, it's, it's a little bit of a joke slash conundrum as well. But uh, what time is it when an elephant sits on a fence? What time is it when an elephant sits on a fence? So give me your answers, Just James Podcast, DM me. I'd love to know your thoughts on the answer to that question. I'd love to see what, you, what you're thinking. Um, I'm following a really cute TikTok page at the moment. It's called Mad Max underscore Fluffy Road. So M-A-D-M-A-X underscore F-L-U-F-F-Y-R-O-A-D. And it's a little corgi that falls asleep on the trains and tubes. He's in a little backpack on his dad. And it's just such a wholesome little page to follow if you guys really want something cute and sweet to follow. It's a really nice one. But this week I, you know, talking about hours and work and motivation, I think. I always try and leave this podcast with a motivational quote of some fo- sort, but this week I, th- I wanted to break down what motivation is and it, it is actually, I mean, the, the technical term for it, it's the desire to act in service of goals. So it is such a crucial element that we need to do to set and, and obtain objectives so, in order for us to do better, to be better, to just better ourselves, and the whole premise behind what I'm trying to do with this podcast is is instill some motivation, instill some community, instill some excitement. And motivation is one of those driving forces behind human behavior. It's something that between us will fuel competition. There's it sparks social interaction. It helps us with social interaction. And without it, it can lead to mental health, it can lead to depression, it can lead to anxiety. And I think we all need to sometimes sit back and think about what is important to our goals and what's going to help us achieve our goals. So if you need some help with some goal setting or some motivation, take some time, sit down, think of three goals, think of three things that are going to motivate you. Three things that are going to make this week better for you. And let them, don't have to be astronomical goals. It could be like, today I'm going to walk 172 steps and make that your goal. And you know, when you hit 172 steps by George, celebrate, have fun. Just let's take the moment to think about the small things, the small setting of goals. When we start achieving that and get a positive reinforcement for ourselves and be like, damn right you did 172 steps. We're going to want to set bigger goals, better goals. And slowly but surely, that motivation, that desire for us to do better is going to be there. And I think that's what's important. And that's what's going to help us step forward this week. And I hope you all have an absolutely wonderful week, everybody. And I can't wait to see you next week again. Goodbye. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. They're the two best friends that anyone can have. Just James and Thomas the Plant.